0: Yeah, uh, uh, we were going to take a team to Japan, but we weren't able to pull that together. But we, uh, I decided it's been over two and a half years since I have been there. And so I, I, I just felt we wanted to keep that connection. And so I'm going on the 25th. Which, um, But um, they're just going through some financial hardship. And I, I talked with the Dennis and Kaku, and I thought, you know, I'm not, I didn't tell them, but I thought I'd give you guys an opportunity just to bless them. And, you know, it was $5.00. You know, $50, $5,000, whatever. <laughs> but it's also a Japanese custom, which I didn't know Like the first three times I went. <laughs> that you're supposed to bring a gift, you know. And so then I find, they kept giving me gifts, but then I, then I found out. <clears throat> um, speaking of gifts, we were at a church and, and coming and going. Uh, uh, Kathy and I just got back from Muskegon where we did a regional Partners and Harvest gathering at our church uh, up in Muskegon. And um, for their connection card, every service they gave away $100. They would draw a card out of the bin and give away a hundred dollars. I said, "You know, if we did that in our church, I bet we'd get a lot more cards filled out." So, but you don't want us to bribe you, do ya? <laughs> ah someone who's honest all right <laughs> well all right um i want to give you a quick update about the iglesia which is our uh, ministry site down in the vine neighborhood and we've been talking about this for the last couple of months that we're uh, i believe it's time to buy that building and uh, we've been raising uh, m- uh, funds for that uh, i actually wrote in this brand new nice fancy bulletin completely updated but there's a little update and so I'm not going to go over the details but I do want to draw your attention to that and ask for you to read that cuz uh I kind of just explain where we're at right now and the plan uh and just to summarize it you know I'm going to seek financing uh for that uh but uh be praying that uh God provides we we don't want to lose what you know we've really invested so much in the, over the over the years and and Vine is a neighborhood within our city, that's considered a high need uh, and, a, and a, a low-reached neighborhood. In other words, there's there's not many churches in that in that neighborhood, and, but there's a lot of people. And the density of that neighborhood, there's more people living in that neighborhood, probably. is one of the most dense, that in Edison. <coughs> uh, so there's a lot of people down there, but there's a lot of needy people. And so we just want it to be an outreach center. And so be... Be praying about uh, that God would make it happen. And I, I just have a piece about this. I'm, I'm, I'm going forward. Obviously, you know we, we've raised over eleven thousand dollars, but we, we need at least thirty to get. Uh, we might. God might provide financing. That's what we need prayer for. Uh, but really, we need to pay it off and just buy it cash, hundred and fifty thousand. So um, one way or another, we're gonna we're gonna keep going uh, and uh, believe God for it. So would you believe God with me? All right, well, we are uh, in uh, the series called Breaking Barriers, which is part of our year on our core values, the father heart, intimacy, restoration, and then this quarter, extending the kingdom of God. And so the first three... Of values that we talked about really deal with stuff that goes on on in the inside. Understanding God as our Father, you know, getting to know uh, the Lord and one another in an intimate way, getting our hearts healed up, and all that stuff's good. <clears throat> but we need to understand that it leads to something, and it leads to extending the kingdom. Now we need that stuff because we can't extend the kingdom if we don't have the kingdom in us, right? We can't give away what we don't have. And, and so we need the Father's love. We need to be transformed through uh, intimacy with God. We need to have fellowship and intimacy with one another. We need our hearts healed up so that when we reach out to the world, we have something to give. Not that we have to wait until we're perfect, because nobody's perfect. It actually They all happen at the same time, and, and uh, it's a, it's a, they interact. And so as we get healed up, we're more effective in reaching uh, others. And as we reach others, actually, it, what's amazing is that when we start living as, as Christ followers, preaching the gospel, reaching the lost, a lot of the stuff in our lives just goes away. You know, when Jesus called His disciples, He didn't say, Hey, come enter my training program for four years. And if you pass, then you can go to seminary for another two to four years. And then maybe we'll get you into an internship or a residency where you can be trained. And eventually you'll be able to talk to people about the Bible and Jesus. Did he? They weren't even saved yet, right? He just walked up to these fishermen and said, Hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. It started right then. Uh, and that's the gospel <clears throat> and so the the gospel is when we come to christ we come into his mission of reaching the world all right kind of getting ahead of myself extending the kingdom so the purpose of of uh this uh part of the series of this uh month and the rest of this year is equipping us and encouraging us to do that to extend the kingdom last week graham uh McKeg preached here and he's he's preaching the message down on our Vandalia campus this morning the, of uh, the global church and understanding that we're part of, of the work of God that really extends to every every people group and, and we're living in a day you know where that's really happening there's very few places on planet earth where the gospel is, is not being preached there's, there's still a lot of people that need to be reached but uh, it's it's amazing and that's one of the Few requirements pending before Jesus's return is is that the gospel would be preached to all nations, and so we're believing that could that could happen in our lifetime easily. Um, and so, the gospel is meant for every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. It, it really is true. Jesus loves every individual equally. Jesus is. Blood was shed as much for the, the, the Hindu or uh, Muslim or Buddhist, uh, men, women and child. It doesn't matter. Uh, the jihadists, you know, you name it, the atheists, hardened in their you know, uh, academic world, if it be, whatever. Jesus died for them and 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 the and the church is meant to reach the whole world but you know what there are barriers to the gospel the gospel is meant for the whole world, but we come up against barriers when we preach the gospel, and that's what we're doing this month: is talking about some of the barriers that we come up against. One is just making it real and meaningful in the 21st century. I mean, wow, we're living in the 20—we're living the future. You know, it's crazy. I never would have thought that we could do so much with a phone. All <laughs> right, when I was a kid. Or when I was growing up, you know, everybody thought it was going to be the television that was going to be the connectivity for the, you know, people would be connected through the television. Because it would seem like the most obvious, you know. But we just jumped right over that. Like, uh, Who needs a TV? You can watch everything on a phone. You can communicate. I mean, it's like you can control the world with your phone. Well, if you're uh, Iron Man. all right but how do we make the gospel relevant we can it's just as relevant now as it was two thousand years ago you know the real things in life haven't changed technology changed but you know what hearts haven't changed love hasn't changed hatred hasn't changed lust hasn't changed courage hasn't changed how do we even know who to share with who's our neighbor Mark's going to be talking about that. How do we communicate the gospel with a family member? <clears throat> when I was young, as a Christian, I was bold. <laughs> Unlike now. <laughs> but I was kind of overbold. And my brother kicked me out of his house for preaching the gospel. He finally got fed up. He literally took me to the door and pushed me out and shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> he made up. He's okay now, but <laughs> well, that's a challenge, isn't it? Well, today I'm going to talk about a very important battle or a barrier, and that's the spiritual barrier, the spiritual battle that's involved in, in, in sharing the gospel and witnessing for Jesus. And it's based in the scripture. We're going to key off this scripture. This is our text: Second Corinthians, chapter four. So Paul was writing to a church in the city of Corinth, <coughs> explaining. Uh, to them, you know what it means to be a Christian and he's talking about preaching the gospel and he says if the good news or gospel we preach is hidden behind a veil. It is hidden only from people who are perishing Satan who is the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach, Jesus Christ is Lord. And we, ourselves, are your servants for Jesus Christ. For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God in the face, uh, the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Alright, so we're going to look at this verse and kind of unpack it or talk about how this applies to the topic that we're uh, discussing. It says in verse 3 that even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. Now, uh, If you read the context of this verse, in the chapter preceding or the paragraphs just before this verse, Paul was talking about Moses coming down from the mountain. Moses spent, I think it was 40 days. He actually was up on the mountain a few times with God. And the one time he was up on the mountain for a long time 40 days, 40 nights, no water, no food. uh, Came down, and his face was shining. Okay, not because he used essential
1: oils.
0: (laughs) It wasn't coconut oil that made his face shine. It wasn't just because he was in a good mood. Okay, this guy's face was beaming. All right, think about it. (laughs) You know, you wonder if he knew that when he was walking out. I said, "Man, this the path is really light." He is a light unto my path, right? right so while the moon, while well, the moon just got brighter, <laughs> it's kind of weird. What a weird night! It's, it's so easy to walk on this path. And then he walks in, and all the people are like, you know. Yeah, he's, remember, Moses was the most humble man who ever lived. The Bible says, right? So this is a really humble guy, and he's shining. <laughs> Yeah. But introverts can talk about that. <laughs> it's such a hassle <laughs> to be an introvert. And, and my face is shining. <laughs> you know, so he comes out from the mountain and his face is like shiny. He's like, oh, I'm just trying to be a humble guy. And you know what he finally does? He takes a veil. Just I'm at the same time. Because <laughs> he he's just a humble guy. He said, okay, I'm, I'm scared of everybody. I'm just going <laughs>
1: to...
0: So I was on the mountain, guys. Okay, I, I know I'm shy. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> and God said, well, I'll write it down so you can read about it. You know, and he goes in his tent. So there it was. Moses put a veil on his face. So Paul was describing that um, uh, and and talking about that story. And then he he goes forward with the story. Here we go. And he said that the Jews, the Jewish people, still had that veil over them when they read the Bible because... Because Moses had been in God's presence and was shining forth God's uh, glory and the Israelites couldn't deal with it, so, they, so Moses covered himself up. And now, Paul was saying, when the, the Jewish people read the Scripture, it's like they were covered up because they couldn't see the light of what God was trying to communicate. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Well, it's good. You see it. I don't see it. <laughs> All right. Um, But then he goes on and he says, Paul then takes that historical reference of what happened, one, in Moses' time, two, what was happening currently in Paul's time, and that the Israelites, the the followers of the uh, um, Hebrew religion, They read the Bible, but they couldn't see it because they were covered with this veil. So Moses' veil is now on them. But then he takes it and connects that imagery and that truth, if you will, to what's happening now, which is the current revelation of God or the preaching of the gospel. And so he says, okay, now the veil isn't over the messengers, over the messenger, like Moses. Right? Now the veil has been taken off, and now the veil is over the people that are supposed to hear it. <laughs> like Anthony. Yeah, and he's like, What? We turned off the lights. <laughs> yeah. and so this is the image that Paul is helping us understand what actually happened. Paul, or Moses, put that veil over his face so he wouldn't scare the Israelites. But now Paul is saying, Listen, we're to be messengers unveiled. We're to preach the gospel unveiled. Don't do what Moses did. Oh, but people will get scared. Yeah. It's okay. You know? They need it. Uh, a friend of mine actually spoke at the at the Muskegon conference, he's actually from Ontario, and made him do a uh teaching. He Skyped him in and he talked about we have to as Christians we have to learn about living awkward. We need to be comfortably being awkward about our faith. And and, and look for opportunities to 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 communicate the love of Jesus. You know, I was thinking about this. <coughs> you don't mind if I use you. <laughs> don't You're sitting in the front row. This is what happens. That's why people don't sit in the front row. <laughs> well, if somebody's covered, you know, they might not be able to see him, but they can feel, huh? Yeah. If you touch somebody. And we have to get in people's lives and then they can hear. We'll get to that later. Ooh, well there we go. <coughs> um, so, uh, we are to preach unveiled the gospel of Christ. Stopped working. <laughs> there you go. All right. So the veil is not on the messengers, but it's now on the hearers or the lost. There still remains a veil. All right. It's the veil the enemy uses to cover the eyes of those who are, are lost. And in verse 4, he really zeroes into where, what the problem is. And, I, and this, is the, this is the main point of the message, so please pay attention. Uh, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And so the point that Paul is talking about when he brings up this veil is that there's a battle going on. Okay? Okay? There's a battle going on when we preach the gospel. When you present Jesus Christ to the lost, there's a battle. Now listen, how many here believe that they are, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but you believe that you're a Christian, that you've, you've responded to the message of Jesus Christ? Right? Yes? No? We're we're believers, all right? Uh, That makes us ambassadors. We believe that we're ambassadors? Yes? Amen? All right. So that means if you're an ambassador of Christ, every time you're in the presence of someone who has not accepted Jesus as Lord, who doesn't know Jesus as, as Christ, as Savior, there is a spiritual battle going on. All right? That's what this says. If you're an ambassador, you're, you know, you're an ambassador 24-7. Whether you feel like it, whether you've had a good day or a bad day, whether you just sinned or didn't sinned, all right? You're an ambassador. Now, maybe you're not a Christian. And you're sitting in here, and you're like, I don't know. You know, I'm just here checking it out. <clears throat> well, listen, let me let you, let you me tell you something. The Bible says, this book that we all think is pretty intense and has changed a lot of people's lives, transformed whole civilizations. Most, most, published book on planet Earth ever. Nothing even comes close. Alright? This says that the reason people don't believe is not just because they haven't been convinced or they, they, don't, they haven't experienced something. or it's, it's not just them. That there's some other force at play. There's another force. And that force is this individual called Satan. Mm-hmm. And the Bible calls him the God of this world. So for an unbeliever and 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 again if you're an unbeliever you know take this into consideration maybe there's more at work than what you're aware and for us as believers we need to acknowledge that there's more involved in someone coming to salvation than just us presenting information to an individual to make a rational choice. There's actually a huge dynamic, which is this demonic element that is blinding their eyes, causing them to be unable to see. And we need to believe this and understand it. Because if we don't, (laughs) you're just going to get frustrated. All right? If you don't understand the spiritual dynamic of preaching the gospel, the spiritual element of advancing the kingdom of God, now and this this applies in every aspect of advancing the kingdom of God. So this applies equally when we're evangelizing someone to accept Jesus on a personal level, or if we're trying to change a, 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 a poverty. You know why there's poverty in the world? Because there's a Satan. Yeah. <laughs> Right, you know why there's racism in the world? Because it's Satan and sin, and He uses that to keep people in bondage. You know why there's greed? Why? Well, because of Satan has we we sinned and came under that influence, and that influence is everywhere. I heard heard of actually a famous preacher's name is Tim Keller, uh, talking about is actually better known as an author, <clears throat> talking about you don't have to prove sin. Everybody believes in sin. They just call it, you know, economic disparity, or and they call it inequality. They call it manipulation. All of that is sin. All right. But we need to understand that that sin is there's a dynamic. There's the devil is at work. Whenever there's unbelief and wherever there's sin, Satan has his hand in it, and he's using it. All right, And we as ambassadors need to understand the adversary. And and, and and part of being a witness, part of being an evangelist, part of being an ambassador is understanding your place. And I'm going to give you the strategy to overcome the enemy in a minute. But first we want to, we want to see if this is true. <laughs> Sorry. You think this is true? Yeah. I could probably skip the next few slides. I'll go quick. <laughs> so Paul says in Ephesians, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. In other words, hey, we're all in this together. Uh, but then he goes, living in sin like the rest of the world is obeying the devil. You know, when I was in sin, before I was a Christian, and I was, you know, uh, into all kinds of things that was not good uh, drugs, drinking, stole a lot of stuff, <coughs> lied, whatever. Um, I didn't know I was obeying the devil. I wasn't doing whatever felt good. Right? But the Bible says I was obeying the devil. And then the Bible calls him the commander of the powers in the unseen world. So what, as believers, as unbelievers, and just as a truth we need to embrace, is that there's an unseen world and there's a spirit. He says he's a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So we need to address this spirit on a spiritual level and realize often the person who is struggling with belief is a victim of a manipulator and a liar who is Satan. It's it's not the person that's lying. there's, There's this unseen power. All right? Well, maybe Paul was a little mistaken because Paul wrote Ephesians 2. Let's ask Peter. Hey, Peter, the guy who walked on water, not our peter he's up he's out to lunch all right uh peter says stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour and, P- and peter you you got to be alert don 't forget this, and some you know the church in the in the 21st century, especially the American church, we live as though there is no demonic because everything 's explained through rationalism, <clears throat> and then the new generation of younger people are kind of open to things and then I was talking to someone that, uh, in, in some areas like you don 't have to argue with unbelievers about the demonic often they 're familiar with it, especially if they 've delved into some of the the witchcraft or the New Age stuff, they've seen the power of darkness. Uh, and they've been bit by it. <clears throat> Peter and Paul both say, we need to be aware of this and alert. Well, okay, maybe Peter had it wrong. He was kind of outrageous. How about John? John's the gospel—the the, the apostle of love, right? <clears throat> Just love one another. There's John laying his head on Jesus' His chest and just hanging out with Jesus. I just love Jesus, right? Well, this is what John said. He says, we know, we know we're children of God. And the world around us is under the control of the evil one. The ah! word can be translated under the sway or the influence. Now, how did, how did that affect John? You know what? John realized, I'm I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. He just loves us so much. Oh, behold, just look at how much love the Father has bestowed on us. Yet in the whole world, they're under the control of the devil. So it didn't like upset him. Understanding, this is what people kind of hear about demons and spiritual warfare, and they get scared. Or they get weird. They flake out. Uh, But the right response is, is to realize, hey, we're in the love of God, but we understand that the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. So the gospel has an enemy, and the enemy's name is the devil, and his method is to blind the minds of those who don't believe. In Ephesians, this really gets to the point uh, in chapter 6. Paul says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts, and host means a multitude of spiritual beings, of wickedness in heavenly places. Huh? Now, most people understand that verse and that passage And apply it to our personal struggles. Like if you're struggling, you're having a bad day, you're dealing with depression, don't get discouraged, you know? Because we're, the battle, the warfare that we wage is not against flesh and blood, you know, you can do it. And that's all good and true. But the context of that verse is actually about Paul, if you read after verse 12, read the next couple of verses, it's about Paul having an opportunity to preach the gospel. To be, he actually uses the word, to be an ambassador. For Christ. Right? And so this is about us representing Jesus unveiled to the world. And realizing that the struggle, the reason that veil is there, is not even the person. We've got to get that. the, the enemies holding that veil up in front of people. And we need to deal with the enemy. All right, So that the veil is removed, so that they can see the kingdom of God and they can hear the message. Because the effect of the veil, remember what it says, is that they're unable to see and they don't understand. That's what the enemy is. That's his goal. But too often, Christians spend too much time and energy trying to reveal the darkness of the world or convincing the lost of how lost they are all right (laughs) you know what i'm talking about and and that's not our job all right that's why that's why i mean when i when i talk about treat unbelievers as though they're believers in other words you don't have to convince someone they're lost you don't have to talk about their sin you don't have to talk about you know uh all that stuff you need to communicate the love of God and, 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 and speak to them as though they were, in other words, share scriptures with them, pray with them, uh, invite them into your life, share your life with them and, and, and until they realize, oh, wait a minute. I thought I was a Christian, but I guess I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Or all or, oh, this Christian stuff. It's not what I thought it was. The gospel isn't about the veil. That's good. All right? It's not our job to point out uh, and describe in detail and convince people, you know, what variety of veil they have over their head. <laughs> All right? But sometimes we get caught up in that. We think that that's what evangelism is. is saying, no, you can't believe this, or you can't believe that, or you can't believe that, or this is why you're blind. That's not That's not effective. That's not the right strategy. The strategy to deal with the enemy veiling, putting his veil in front of others so that they can't see... Paul gives us the strategy in the next verse. Verse 5. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Listen, folks. This is the strategy. Alright? <clears throat> We've just been talking about the enemy. If you understand the enemy for who he is it would be reasonable to be intimidated i mean who are we to stand against what the bible describes as the second most powerful being in the universe all right so this is the dynamic you got an unbeliever who's got a veil that veil is being supported by by satan and his system he may, may not be satan may not be personally involved but his system is holding up that veil there, and we're the ambassador that needs to deal with Satan so that the veil can be removed. But what does Satan just like? Are we going to deal with Satan? Yeah. I have a hard time dealing with my, my, my spouse.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she's a saint. <laughs> Alright. So that intimidation factor is exactly what Paul addresses, okay? Because he says, this is a strategy. We don't preach ourselves. It's not about you. It's not how much you know or how good you do it. Or how good you are, because you're not that good. You're not good enough to save the world. You're not good enough to save your neighbor. You're not good enough to save yourself. That's the gospel! That's the good news. Let me thank God! All right? (laughs) <laughs> we're just servants well who are we servants to well everyone Paul said we're servants to you so he's using his, his own life as an example we're servants to Jesus Christ but in serving Jesus Christ we follow his example who came as a servant to all in fact one of his one of the titles of Jesus the Messiah is the servant the servant who gave his life A ransom for all. And so we serve Jesus by being a servant to who? To everyone. So when you come up to someone that's veiled and there's Satan standing there, you serve that person. Because you know what? You're just there. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Jesus loves. The face of Jesus. The message of Jesus. The person of Jesus. Not information about Jesus, although that's part of it. But that's not what removes the veil okay see the difference between information about a person and the person mm-hmm. we're to be the person you're the only Jesus some people will see right. does that mean you have to be perfect no you have to reflect him mm-hmm. to the best of your ability and just preach proclaim preach means to to reveal Jesus Christ talk about what Jesus did in your life mm-hmm. All right? talk about you know Jesus is Lord what does that mean it means ultimately everybody's going to answer to him Well, how could he do that and allow evil to happen in the world? That's exactly why he's Lord. That's exactly why he's coming. That's exactly why he died on the cross. How could God be God and let children suffer? That's precisely why Jesus came to demonstrate how devastating suffering is, that he became the suffering one, that he suffered uh, uh, wrongfully. So that when he comes again, no one will be able to accuse him of being a false judge because he's taken the place of the lowest. And so when he administers judgment, it will be done in righteousness. Oh, evil in the world isn't a proof against the existence of God it's one of the biggest proofs for the existence of God Okay, but we need to understand that All right, <clears throat> the strategy of displaying the person of Jesus Christ and his attributes lordship, his love, his servanthood all of that is the strategy that overcomes every barrier and listen it was Jesus who said hey be of good cheer hey be happy because I've overcome the world Jesus understood the world system. Jesus knew perfectly well when he said that, that Satan was the one behind the world system. Jesus knew perfectly well that he was about to suffer the death on the cross. Okay? And that's why he said, Hey guys, I understand really clearly what the system's like. And that means you can be happy because that whole world system, I've overcome it. So be cheerful. And represent Jesus. And that puts the whole battle, that battle between good and evil, the battle that we're a key part in, uh, changes when we understand that the strategy, and there's only one strategy, and it's very simple, the strategy to overcome spiritual darkness and wickedness in high places that are blinding the eyes of others, is simply present the person of Jesus Christ and be a servant. Mm -hmm. Alright? That changes the world. And then he goes on, he says, uh, For God says, in verse 6, uh, Let there be, for, the, for God who said, Let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul now turns, or the Scripture here turns our attention from this battle between good and evil and calls up the imagery of the creation story. Alright? And says, listen... Look what we can learn from the creation story. When everything was dark, God spoke, let there be light. And and it's now saying, okay, what happened then is now happening presently when we preach the gospel. All right? That the light shines and there's new creation. Because salvation is new creation. All right? everything is created anew just as God spoke into the into the, uh, the chaos and out of the chaos came life and order, we speak the light of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the darkness of people's lives, into the chaos and disorder of life that we see it and, li- and, and new creation happens alright, this, this is a comparison that this scripture is making that we actually become co-creators with God in this new creation of seeing lives transformed. God spoke everything into being in that first creation and now everything comes into its proper place and into new life new creation to the face I like that it says in the face of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the person. And so when someone's covered with a veil <clears throat> if we're beaming the light of Jesus Christ it's going to get up under or it's going to penetrate through. You know, I can still see those lights in the ceiling, right? And so if the light's bright enough, and again, it's not ourselves, it's Jesus Christ, what happens is that light gets around, or they get touched, or they lift up the veil, and they say, what's going on out there? They part, of, what's going on? Oh! And they experience Jesus, and that's salvation, and then once that happens, we're called. That's ha- it happened to me. And I became a Christian. It's happened to you in some manner. Your story is different. Everybody's story is different. Or maybe it's about to happen. Or maybe it's it's happening. Maybe it's going to happen today. Maybe someone you're going to talk to this afternoon, they're going to lift up the veil because something you say uh, catches their, their attention and they're willing to, to, to part the veil and go, are you being real? Oh, they loved me. You know? <clears throat> and something happens. But once that happens and we embrace Jesus and we're changed, then we're called to radiate the light. And so when the word that says shine, it uh, literally means amplified puts it, to beam forth. And that brings us back to the beginning illustration that Paul used when he talked about Moses. When Moses came down from encountering Jesus or encounter well it actually was Jesus, encountering God on the mountain he beamed forth. And the whole story is Paul saying, hey guys, encounter God so that you beam forth. Amen. Just like Moses did. Alright, I'm going to have Jen come up and lead us in a, in a closing a response. Would you welcome her?
2: That was so good. It was so powerful. And I, I was sitting there thinking while he was talking, I know somebody. I know somebody that I have an ongoing relationship with that I, that I have felt stirred a couple of times to, like he said, be awkward with. And it's, it would be awkward. It would be really awkward because it's, it's more of a professional kind of relationship. And she provides a service for something. And it, I have felt like, okay, God, I know you're stirring something inside of me to share with them something. But that would be really awkward, and I think that's the exact word I use. That just feels really awkward. God, I don't know exactly how to do that. I don't know exactly how to say what I have to say, but while I was sitting there, that was stirring inside of me. I have someone to be awkward with, and I believe that each of us do. And I want you to take, (laughs) I want you to take some time. I don't know if right now God is revealing someone to you, if maybe later today God will reveal someone, or maybe even this week, but I would encourage you to, to bravely and courageously ask God to show you someone to be awkward with—it's a hard thing to do. It's so hard because it means being vulnerable. It means being vulnerable before somebody and and risking what you might look like, risking you know what they might think. What if they reject you? Well, guess what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter.